Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome back, folks, to another Call That Girl's Not Remote Support show, but my new Office 365 show. And uh, sorry, I've been on a break for a couple months, maybe a little longer. If most of you don't know, or you do know, I moved to the Florida Keys for a while to take a little snowbird break and kind of just take a break from Minnesota and figure out a few things in life. And so far, so good here. I've learned a lot about the Florida Keys, if you haven't been down here. Uh, there's a lot of bugs and iguanas and things that just run around, and I've had rats, and uh, just weird everything down here. It's so different from Minnesota, and it's really been fun getting to know it down here. It's quite the environment, I will say. So <laughs> right now they have a big snowstorm in Minnesota, and I'm not missing it much. Uh, I want to explain to you all why I decided to switch the show up. Uh, remote support show had about 14 episodes. You know, did well. I did one about once a month. And, uh, you know, I started finding that my stories in the all killer, no filler section was becoming mostly Outlook and Office 365. And my fan mail was encouraging me to keep telling those stories. Everybody was like, we love hearing it. Keep going. And, um, my, you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, I'm not really talking about remote support anymore. You know, I did a little topic every week, but it was getting kind of where I wanted to re-energize the show to be for end users and technicians. So I think the value of what I have to tell, the stories of what I'm saying, the end users can listen and go, okay, yeah, I'm having that same problem. I'm going to call her or, oh, she told me how to fix it and maybe they'll be able to fix it on their own. I try to be helpful that way if I can. So um, the show is kind of has a new format as well. We're going to be working on um, like today I'm just doing a little bit more intro, but usually I'll have the all killer, no filler. We'll do some question answers from people from Facebook, and then I'm going to try to have guests now. And I do have a guest for this show, and I'll announce it later. And uh, if you ever want to be on the show, feel free to email me, lisa at callthatgirl.biz. I ask that you have some knowledge of Office 365 and can share with our audience. Oh boy, let me look at my notes here. Lots of notes, people. I'm trying to keep up with everything I wanted to say. Uh, you can still download the audio for the show at podnuts.com slash ctg. Uh, we'll be rebranding it on the Podnuts network to be the Office 365 show, but all downloads are still available there. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash callthatgirl to get the daily or not daily, but whenever I post a video, you'll get an alert or um, these shows or maybe who knows what else I put up. We'll see. And if you have any questions about Office or Outlook and you want me to answer them in the show, email me, lisa at callthatgirl.biz. Oh, phone's ringing. I'll leave it alone. Um, let's see. I also have a new affiliate sponsor that I'm going to be working with, and it is M Helpdesk. I've been working with M Helpdesk now for five years, and I really enjoy using their product. And I'll be doing a pitch here and there, so if you hear it, just remember that any affiliation links you click on help bring money to the show, and I'd appreciate that. And let's see what else I have. Um, well, I'm sorry I'm in the dark, too, because the light above me is super bright. I can't turn it on because then I glow. <laughs> we don't want to see me glow. I look tan now. It looks good. Looks good on me. So, excuse me, just one sec. Do, 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 do. Looking through the notes. Uh-uh. I probably missed some stuff, but I'll catch up with it later. All right. Now, finally, with this show here, like I said, I'm going to try to have more knowledge about Office 365, Outlook, of course, and the show is geared towards end users and technicians. But if you, as a technician, think, you know, this stuff is way over my head, I don't want to learn it, you can hire me. I do have technical rates for technicians, so you can piggyback on my learning. I can teach you as you learn it, or you can just refer the client, and I do give a commission um, on those jobs. So a lot of people have been lately asking me to help, and I'm more than willing to help. And I especially want you to learn, too. Okay, excuse me. I'm just so sorry I'm in the dark here, but I can't. Okay, I think I'm ready to move on. My notes were a lot shorter than I thought, people. So... We have 
I have actually three months of all killer, no filler. Almost every day I can make a video of the jobs I've done and how crazy my clients' situations are. Uh, it's not the clients, it's the computers and Outlook and how everything works and the office configuration. So when I start telling these stories, the end user, or excuse me, um, my listeners have been asking for me to say, here's the problem and here's the solution. So I'm going to try to do that manner when I help, or when I talk through these stories rather, so everybody understands. So let's get started. All killer, no filler. My first story today is a client who has a Gmail problem. And years ago when the client set up their email, I think they did it through the free Gmail back in the day for business accounts when they could. And uh, just through years of storing up email, their, their PST file was actually about 48 gigabytes, which is insane for any Outlook PST file, but especially for Gmail to try to synchronize that in an IMAP situation. I, I can't even believe the client actually got her Outlook to work. I mean, that's the most I've ever seen. And so she kind of gave me a heads up saying, you know what, we're going to have a problem, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, because we're going to have to move a lot of mail. <laughs> and I mean a lot of mail. 48 gigabytes is just a lot. So I already knew I was in for a whole day. I warned her, you know, I'm going to be moving mail for all day long. And it really only takes you about, you know, not in real time, about an hour to do the moving and the copy and paste, not the copy pasting, but the copying of it. And I finally got it down to about 12 gigabytes. And then of course her outlook broke. It's like, it's like we kind of crashed the whole thing. And uh, luckily we got it fixed. So let's scoot back a bit. The problem is her Gmail wasn't working anymore. It was too big. The solution is I moved out mail. Now there's more to the story. So what happened is she had had somebody else work on her computer and they set up her IMAP as a pop account by accident, but still was using the IMAP servers for Google. So the final problem is that the inbox is getting duplicates of everything. And we found that out after I thought I was all tidied up and cleaned up. So at this point, we just have to go in and make a new account. And, um, now this might not seem like the biggest deal, but if you're dealing with 48 gigs of mail and a corrupted mailbox, you know, because it's set up for IMAP in a pop situation, that's, that's a big problem. So I'm just giving everybody a heads up. The solution is to make a new email account with IMAP and you're going to get a whole new folder structure that comes down. And at that point, that is fairly accurate because that's what the IMAP server with Gmail actually has in place. Pop never matches because pop is a one-time download. Okay. Problem solution fixed. And I worked with this for about two days, actually. It wasn't very quick. There was a lot of mail. Okay, moving ahead here, I had um, a, a client that had just a broken PST file. So the problem is he couldn't get into his PST. Now, if you've ever worked with Outlook, you know that there's a little tool called Scan PST, which basically close Outlook. You run the scan PST, you know, inbox repair, it fixes it, you open Outlook, it works like a charm. That's what happened with this client, everything was perfect. Well, a new technical snag happened. Next day, his Avast program asked for an update, and it wouldn't update because he had Windows problems, or so they say when he called tech support. <laughs> so a tech support, who knows where, said, oh, you've got Windows registry problems. You have to go and fix this. Um, what really happened was they were in his computer for almost eight hours trying to fix all these problems that I didn't see in his Outlook the day before. But it had nothing to do with his Outlook, actually. And he called and said, Lisa, I need you to redo my, my Outlook. It's broke again. And he told me the situation. And I said, okay, let's do this. Um, I'm going to give you a deal on this because he spent eight hours not billing clients, by the way, because this computer was taken for eight hours. I said, I really think you should call this company and get your money back. Because, of course, they sold them up on their support plan, which I'm all for upselling support plans. But, see, I'm selling me and my tax, not to some call center farm. Gosh, she knows where, you know. So, anyway, he did come on our plan. I fixed his outlook, and he's good to go. And I was real happy about that. 
But that's just an example of an easy fix that you think is going to be easy moving to a tough one. And that's, uh, you know, to me that's an easy fix. And this poor Avast, this issue with the Avast, it, uh, I think what he did is he just went online and just basically called the number at the top, you know. He knows what he did. <laughs> I felt bad for the guy, though. But I think as techs, we all have that problem, right? Now, the next big Office 365 story I have is one I've been kind of saving for a little bit here. It um, It's a big one. And this guy, actually my client, his name is Jim. Jim told me I can talk about this situation, about his company too even, because, you know, he's just a prime example of how things can get overloaded and, t- and get complicated. Jim had 20 PST files and trying to manage 20 PST files that were ranged of 500 meg to I think 15 gig. He was saving them on his computer. He had them on external hard drives. He had them on external hard drives that were uh, password password protected. I mean, in his Outlook, in his folder structure was 20 of these PSTs and it was just scary. Now, before I did the analysis of the situation and saying, you know, okay, how big is each PST, which I should have done. I said, oh, let's just put you on exchange. This will solve all your problems. You won't need to see all these PST files anymore. And and I think that he was getting stressed out with the just amount of PST files. And the thing is, is that he will admit to this. He knows where every single email is and every one of these PST files and he knows where to find stuff. I mean, it's in his like brain. So it was my job to take those PST files, move them to an exchange server. But the one thing I forgot, and I think that he didn't understand was we migrated him to a, the new server. No problem. We had two snakes. His Gmail exported funky out of IMAP, which we were going to put that in the server. And secondly, <laughs> those PST files when you get them into Outlook, they have to upload to the Exchange server, and that takes time. And uh, it takes a lot of time. So it took Jim and I over a week to get all those 20 PST files up to the Exchange server. Now, the nice thing is, is once they were up on the server, it's on the server. And Jim, I think, found the value of this because his computer crashed uh, like two months after that. And I said, hey, Setting up your exchange now is just a breeze and just downloads everything. And he was really happy with that. And then he got a new computer. And I said, no problem. It takes me five minutes to set up your new email because of the exchange. Now, he had, at the end, 44 gigs of data on that server. So I know for a fact that his computer works fast with 44 gigs on the server, running through Outlook, and he has no problems with speed or going to find mail because he's always searching those folders. Which basically, when I imported um, them in, I made them separate subfolders of his ex- exchange mailbox. Sorry. So he he still has the same view. He's thrilled, and his company is SportsNCG.com. He said to go ahead and tell everybody, and he's a great client, and he is one of those happy people that putting the investment into Exchange has fared well for him. And I try telling people. If email's your life, you have to make it simple because it can get very complicated. So the problem is he had a complicated setup. The solution was I made things simple for him so he could still see everything and not have to worry about these PSTs and opening them and backing them up and just everything because now it's on the server. All right, moving ahead, my favorite words. Uh, About two weeks ago, this is a good Office 365 story. About two weeks ago... I had a client call and say, uh, we've been on uh, Office 365 for a few years, and we've never set it up. And I was like, what are you doing with it? They're like, oh, we have SharePoint and, and the, the Office 2013, but we're not doing anything else. And I said, wow, okay, so we need to do a migration. And they said yes, because they had certain needs that they needed the server to work for with all of their accounts. So I quoted them um, initially. They had a list of things that they wanted done, but I said, we couldn't do those until you put your domain on exchange. They were using the free, not the free, but the, you know, domain.onmicrosoft.com accounts, which is the like default that Microsoft will give you until you migrate it to your own domain. 
So a lot of people, I think, are actually out there using Office 365 with the on Microsoft as their email so they can do things in it, but they don't understand that they need to do the migration part, which takes it to their domain level. So then they can actually use their real email. And so the problem for this company was they called in with a whole bunch of problems and I quoted a four hour ticket. And then I said, oh, whoa, you're not on your domain exchange. So now we need to do a migration. And they were thrilled to find out I could just do it all in one shot. I did it all in the morning. I got everything migrated and their little tiny needs that they had were all fixed up and we got it all done. So you as a technician need to pay attention. A lot of times when people say they're on stuff, they're really not. And for end users who are listening, if you're using that on Microsoft.com and trying to manage your, your teams and everything on that, you can migrate that to your own domain so everybody can just use their own regular emails. Oh, lo, 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 lo. I'm sorry, it's so dark in here. I'm still trying to see. Um, hmm. Let me see here. Problem with iCloud and... Oh, problem with iCloud and Outlook.com. When do those happen? Never. I think I've had 20 jobs with those problems in the last few months. If you're an end user using Outlook.com and you're having problems, I'm just going to recommend that you get off the iCloud. It's just highly not recommended. <laughs> and I'd say if you're a business, invest the money into a migration to Exchange. Because iCloud is just basically a third-party app that can break, and it's sometimes very difficult. Outlook.com is a free version of Exchange, pretty much. Which, the problem with the Outlook.com is nothing for the most part, except with calendars and people needing to accept invitations from Outlook to default to the Outlook.com calendar which is a problem. You can get it you can get it to work. It's just technically very um, interesting, I'll put it that way. So if you're on a pop account with Outlook, you can get Outlook.com to be the default easy. If you're on IMAP, it's difficult because IMAP runs a different kind of um, email structure. It runs an OST file and it, it just is complicated. So I'm gonna start with this. The problems are people on iCloud and Outlook.com they want to use as a third-party app to sync, but they have problems, things break. The solution is Exchange, of course. <laughs> I'm just going to say that again. <laughs> but, but anyway, the, the solution is, is you know, technically it's difficult, and the solution is Exchange. I don't even know what to say about that. Um, I, as te- you know, the technicians out there listening, I try to get people to go to Exchange, and that it's just so much easier for the end user. They don't have the glitches. Outlook.com really doesn't have that many glitches except for people with calendars. And that's about the only thing. And that can take a few hours of time. Sometimes. <laughs> okay. You know, folks, I think that is it for this week's All Killer No Filler. It's going to be a little short because we have a little longer show. I will be doing some question answers. Maybe not this show, but next time. But I want to welcome my next guest, Mr. Matt Rainey who is going to be with us for about 45 minutes, and we're going to be talking Office 365 in exchange. You can learn all about Matt's business and how he manages his tickets with the work and my little answer, question answer time. Welcome, Matt Rainey, to my first Office 365 show. You are my first guest as well, and I want to thank you for that. I'm sure all the watchers and listeners will love hearing what you have to say in regards to Office 365 and the work you do with MSP and BreakFix. And um, I'm going to try to answer some questions as I ask you the questions, too, so people can hear my side as well. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. How long has it been since you did a show? I don't think I've heard you on one for a while. Well, I've been on some, some pod in that shows recently. I did a uh, the call-in show a few days ago. Um, With Jeff Hallish? Right. And I've been on a, pod nut, a few pod nut shows the past few weeks, but and I'll be on one again this coming up week, so trying to do a little more of that. Gotcha. Uh, just hold tight, folks. I'm still playing with my software. There we go. I'm all good. <laughs> there, to my new listeners, you might see some technical glitches here and there. Um, well, you know, Matt, I, I met you at the um, CompTIA conference in Phoenix, and that was really cool. We met a lot of other technicians, and me and you talked a little bit about doing a show together. So when I started thinking of my show, I was like, I got to get him on first. You have a lot of experience podcasting, and you have a lot of you know followers and stuff, and you have a lot of knowledge to share. So we're excited to have you here this week. And if you want to take a minute and tell us about your current business and what you're doing, that'd be great. Okay. So my, my business, we do support for 
small and medium-sized businesses, pretty much exclusively support for businesses, not much residential. Um, so we, we do everything from network design, running the cabling, all the way up to server design, server management, network management. So we pretty much do whatever a, a business needs to run, except for web design and uh, programming. Yeah. Two things we don't do, but networking, all that stuff that we, we do. So Cool. So um, how many people work where you are? So there's three of us that are partners, and then there is four other techs. So seven techs, because the three partners are techs, we all work. Um, doing work every day, and then two office staff. Okay. Cool. And phone receptionist, payroll, pay accounts payable. It's nice to have office staff to take uh, yeah. free up our time <laughs> for the for the actual tech work. Yeah, no kidding. You're at that level I want to be, where I have someone doing all the stuff I don't want to do anymore, and I just having a. I've told my listeners I'm having a hard time finding someone to hire. So that's a whole other show, probably, because <laughs> it, it's tough when you start to grow. You got to have the good people in place. Right, and office staff for pretty much all the overhead. They're not going to bill, so we really exactly. people really. It's a tough pill to swallow to have all that overhead for people who are just starting or in that growing phase. How long have you been in business? We've been in business uh, since '95. Oh, nice. Well, that's a long term there. So you guys yep. have been through all the changes. So this is my perfect first question for you guys, okay? So way back in the day, you know, you probably supported servers and whatnot, but the whole Office 365 started coming out and being popular. You know, um, tell us about the first time you had to do, like, an email migration to um, an Exchange server, and that wasn't hardware, but to the cloud. To the cloud. Okay, so yeah, we've been working with Exchange back since, uh, or I've been working with Exchange since Exchange like 5.5 mm -hmm. on the NT days. The old hardware. Um, right. Mm -hmm. So the first time I had to do it to Office 365 was actually kind of a mess because <laughs> they always are. Well, and it wasn't the it wasn't the Office 365's fault. What happened was the client had their mail. I think it was a pop server somewhere. And they had that for years, but they had problems with it. So the people who managed their mail server said, look, let's switch you to this mail server. This is an IMAP server. This will solve all your problems. Yeah. So they went to the IMAP server. And, you know, believe it or not, it didn't solve their problems. <laughs> so, um, Except for their other things they need in business to make it run. So then they called us saying, we need to move to... A hosted exchange, or no, I'm sorry, they said we need to fix our email problems. My solution was hosted exchange. Okay. So the problems I had was they had mail sitting on the old POP account server, like from three or five years back to one year back. Okay. Then the past year, it was on the IMAP server. They never combined them. Oh, ouch. And now we're going to hosted exchange. So I have to pull mail from two other servers, one POP, one IMAP, pull it all into Office 365 so it can have hosted exchange. Okay. So it was a mess because there was, luckily, those accounts weren't closed. They kept them active. So it was a manual process, and this one basically build the Office 365 mailboxes, and then I had to actually manually go pull down on my computer or remotely. Yeah. I just set up Outlook profiles. I downloaded the, I pulled the mail from the POP server. Then I pulled the mail from the IMAP server. Exported the PST, imported into the Office 365 mailbox. So, luckily, it was only five or six users, mm. uh, but they had quite a bit of mail, and it took a few days because he had folders set up on the pop account over here. He had mm -hmm. folders here. He had a lot of folders, and of course, the way that they had their mail server set up, I had to go make sure I had to had all the servers, all the folders. Yeah, it was very tedious, um, but in the end, they were happy. And they've been on that for years now. Um, of course, the small little things like I'm mi I'm missing this mail from this folder from four years ago. Yeah, the one the one email too in the hidden folder that's super deep yeah. down there. They can't find it. But <laughs> I mean, I had I had an easy out because the reason they they were switching because they had lots of missing mail, and I said, well, it, I pulled in everything that was there. So if it's missing, it was missing as one of your missing mail items yeah. that you were complaining about. So he was telling me what was missing, but yet the whole complaint was he had missing mail, which is why he wants to switch. <laughs> I said, I can't retrieve mail if it was already gone before you called me. So uh, so the question I have for you here, Matt, is when you did that first job, did you tell the clients that you've never done one before? 
Okay, so because <laughs> no, we always because, have to test and trial, right? <laughs> and and I tell you why I didn't because I had done many migrations from Pop to Exchange. Yeah. So the only difference is now it's just hosted Exchange. Okay. So I I had done I can't even count how over the past ten or fifteen years how many Pop or IMAP to Exchange migrations yeah. I've done. So I didn't really feel it was that important that I was going mm -hmm. that to make that designation that now I'm going to host it exchange because I was yeah. very familiar with exchange already so it, I didn't really now what I did tell them was I can't vouch for the service or the level of service you're going to have from Office 365 yeah I said this is a new service oh yeah Microsoft is trying to get into this field um, they're pushing everybody to it because they got rid of a small business server. Right. Yeah. So now there's no exchange built in on site. So if you want it, you got to pay more. So um, they're putting resources into this, and I'm assuming it's going to be good. But I can't vouch for what you're going to get when yeah. when when you're on there. I can move you to it, mm -hmm. but after that, it's out of my hands. Yeah, I think that's what um, for beginner techs that are going to start doing their own migrations. I had to tell. Well, unfortunately, my very first job was 22 people, and. Uh, I was lucky because the, the company and I were kind of on this tech-friendly level. Like, they were like, we're tired of everything. We want all fresh. And they were on uh, Gmail, and they were having problems with it. So I said, well, this is a few years ago. I was like, let's put you on GoDaddy-hosted exchange. I'd been hearing all the hype and all the excitement, and I really wanted to do one. So, of course, instead of just doing a small, small job, I do 22 people. Basically, Matt, I end up exporting all their PSTs, or excuse me, um, what I did was I downloaded Gmail to Outlook and downloaded a PST file. So when I got the server transitioned, I could just import it. And that was that was kind of a tough job because I had a bunch of staff who could help me with that. There was like five of us, so it was helpful. But it was way more than I could handle because there was glitches with GoDaddy and Gmail and everything else. And when, when you're dealing with DNS record updates and stuff, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. Right. You know, and you have to learn the hard way, which is call tech support and get a lot of help. Um, so it's interesting. You had all the, you know, past experience. It was just, you know, you have to get used to the cloud. Now, are you folks pretty much just doing all cloud now, or are you still running servers? We still run servers. Uh, what, we, what we run into now is a client, a new client, well, not a new client, a client that, let's say, was on SBS 03. Okay. which had Exchange, or even SBS, any version of SBS, really. Now they want to get a new server. Mm -hmm. So server 2012, there's no more SBS. Okay. So now what we're doing is we're giving them the option of here's hosted Exchange, here is what it's going to take to keep Exchange in-house. Yeah. All the licensing, all the resources you're going to have to have. All the costs um, of it. Right. So we give them the two options. So what we're doing now a lot of is migrating people who have in-house exchange servers to hosted exchange. Yeah. That's what we're doing most of. Now we actually do have we managed and we still do have a email server, a pop server. Oh. For some clients who didn't have their own exchange servers announced, we would have pop mail for them. Okay. So we're we're trying to phase that out so all those people we're gonna be migrating from pop to hosted exchange because that thing needs to go. It's it's a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that when, um, you know, my biggest upsell to people when I'm in their, you know, systems and I'm remoting and helping them, I'm like, well, you're on pop. That's like so old. You know, you got to get, I mean, at least go to IMAP. But then when I start telling about calendar and contacts and everything, they're instantly sold to exchange. Yeah. We it's don't even so offer easy. it. We, we, the only thing we even mention is, is a, some form of exchange solution. We, that's the only yeah. thing we... I don't, I don't even bring up IMAP or I don't like Gmail for mail. I don't like any of that stuff. So no. the only option they get if they come to me is going to be some type of exchange solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love what you say. I don't like Gmail. People call me and say, do you want to move us to Gmail? I go, no, I don't do that work. I only take you to what Outlook loves, exchange. <laughs> yeah. No, it, we had somebody the other day who was having problems with their Gmail service. Yeah. You know, the Gmail apps, you know. And I said, okay, so we can fix that. Here's the here's the price for hosted exchange. But no, we have a problem with our Gmail service. Yeah, I know. Here's the fix. It's moved to hosted exchange. <laughs> exactly. But no, can't you yeah. just fix this? I said, no, I can't no. fix that. So if you want it to be worked the way it's supposed to work, here's the quote for hosted exchange. Exactly. And you know what? That's how I look at it, too, as, oops, excuse me, as, Here's I'm a solution provider and a consultant and a troubleshooter. I could charge you two hours to fix that Gmail Outlook problem, or I can move you to Exchange for about forty dollars more. And when they hear that there's no more problems and stuff, 
and the fact that I tell them, I hate to say it, but my exchange people never call me for help afterwards. It's so it works so well, you know. So you can go ahead and keep calling me every six months to fix this or move over. I, I'm having no problem selling exchange now. And um, as far as the Office 365, this we could talk about a whole nother show is the rest of the the um, products they sell. You know, most of my questions today are just about email, Matt, because I think that's the bulk of our work, right? <laughs> Well, email is important to everybody. No one yeah. can get through life or business without email. If you ask them, any business person what's the, the, the most critical thing in their business, they're probably going to say their email. Oh, yeah. And Outlook is, I mean, I'm going to say the number one used application probably in the world because, I mean, a lot of people, you just need it for business. I mean, that to me, for business apps, I guess that's what I meant. Oh, man, I have another question here. So when you're when you folks are doing your migrations, do you go on site or do it all remotely? I don't go on site unless I absolutely have to. Yeah. So, and for email, it's very rare that you have to go on site for yeah. any email because email, it just in its nature is is not a physical thing. It's no. not. I have I have I have to change a hard drive. It's not it's not hardware. So yeah. no, it's all remote stuff. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people think like when they call me and say, "I need you to be on site for this," and I say, "Well, there's no need." There's, there's not touching hardware at all, and they, they don't get it. So um, to the folks listening is, you know, this is a great opportunity for anybody who's trying to get out of going on site and hardware and working in remote support more. This kind of stuff I just won't go on site for. It makes no sense. I'm going to jump from one person's computer for a minute to another one, and in remote support you can have them all going at once. Matt, how many, exactly. how many migrations well, do you guys do at once? At once? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we usually have one going on constantly. Really? I mean, there's always, I mean, right now in my office, I've got, I mean, I probably have three or four scheduled. Wow. Um, What's the most mailboxes you do? I'm sorry? How many mailboxes can you guys handle? We, we don't really have a limit. <laughs> I mean, there's no limit. Really? No. I have limits. Um, I have limits. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I mean, uh, so a lot of ours are going from exchange to hosted exchange. Yeah. So... There, there's the thing we, we use from uh, Exchange to ho Code2. Have you ever heard of Code2? No. So Code2.com, uh, C-O-D-E-T-W-O.com. They have a, um, a migration tool. They have a lot of migration tools, actually. Yeah. Um, and they're not, I mean, they don't pay me anything, but we, we, this is who we use. So yeah. um, they have an Exchange server or Google Apps to Office 365 migration tool. Okay. Now, it is paid. Well, it's usually paid and they go by <laughs> pricing is um based on how many users you have so up to 10 <laughs> users is ten dollars a mailbox so a little you load, you load a little agent and that just takes it from the exchange server or google apps and it puts it in your office 365 you don't do anything except load the agent i've actually seen um a video the other day on youtube about this little gmail migration tool out of uh exchange online is that so this similar? yeah this is similar um now the it, on their site, it says you can get the software for free. Yeah. And the only thing you have to do is to put them as your partner of record in okay. Office 365. Now, it doesn't say how long you have to keep them as an Office partner of record. <laughs> you just have to be a partner for the hour to get it. You just have to be a partner. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying to finish a migration and then change the partner of record. You're just I'm saying. just saying that to get the license for free, you have to put them as your partner of record. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm finding, maybe you found this too, Matt, that there is, this Office 365 changes constantly, and you can never stop learning once you start getting into it. Have you found that? No, they're right, because it always changes. Yeah. They just changed all the business packages overnight. It's not right. called the old name. Now it's called Essentials and Fliffy Fluff and this and that, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? There's none that matter anymore, because I just, I don't know if you guys use App River, but I just send everybody there. Done. Well, for people who it. don't use Office 365, we use Intermedia. We're an okay. Intermedia reseller. Oh, so, and they're um, like App River, right? Yeah, the same yeah. kind of thing. Now, one one thing about the code too, I want to mention, mention to people. Oh. people th a lot of people who are doing these migrations aren't yeah. Microsoft partners, right? Like App River and Intermedia. No, no. Well, like Bob, who has Bob's Computer Shop. Right? Okay. Bob yeah. may not be an, an off a Microsoft partner. Okay. He might migrate somebody to Office 365, but he's not a, he's not a Microsoft partner. So okay. he's probably not going to go into the settings and set himself as a partner of record, but he's only Microsoft partners. Oh, gotcha. 
can be a so. I mean, if you don't care about the partner of record, you could you could put code choose as a partner of record and have all the migration tools for free. Well, maybe we'll do a show sometime in the future about a real migration because that is in itself an entire show. Yeah, I have come up with the most insane problems just with the the migration itself, not even having to do with mailboxes or the email or anything. This is just the DNS record updates and finding where they are. And <laughs> have you had that problem? Yeah, <laughs> we, you know. So it, yeah. The problem is they have some kind of name server because the first thing I do is I just do NS lookup, right, and see what yeah. the name servers are. Um, and then I'll see who was registered with. Um, but sometimes it has some really vague mm -hmm. name servers. You can't yeah, tell who they are even Googling them. It, it's tough out there. That's why the prep work I've done, um, you know, for the most part, I don't have to do a lot. People have their, you know, control panel login and stuff. But there's some, there's some realty companies out there that, I mean, I've had to do some backdoor work to get this done, Matt. And when oh, I yeah. say backdoor work, it's because how they have all their websites set up and who, oh, it's just, it can be a search and destroy mission. Let's put that way. Yeah, they'll have somebody yeah. as a registered of the domain who hasn't yeah. worked there in 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an email address that they haven't used in 10 years, and knowing they, you know, so you got to go in and get company letterhead and do all kind of stuff to get it changed over, just so you can have access. To yeah. Panel. Oh right. yeah, the fun stuff. So man, I got another question here. So um, let me see. When did you guys kind of pick up that you need to start marketing Office 365 or just Exchange online? As soon as they announced there was no more SPS server. Oh, that kind of was your <laughs> Death Valley. Yeah, right. <laughs> because without SPS server, without the price break you get from having SPS server, it, they're forcing it yeah. as far as a price consideration to go to the cloud. Yeah. I mean, SPS was very affordable for small companies and mid-sized companies. Yeah. Take that away. Now you got to pay full price for Exchange Server plus Exchange Cows. Okay. Now it's not so attractive anymore. No. Well, I know that I've been kind of uh, a few years ago. I wasn't in the excuse me. I wasn't competing with the managed service folks up in Minneapolis because I just didn't do what they did. But now I'm kind of doing what they do, and I'm finding that my clientele don't want to be with a large company that has contracts and. You know, really, the the goldmine for me is the one person up to ten. So I'm finding that um, that it's easy for me to sell this as the calls are coming in already for other things. You know, I'm not actually marketing it. Well, I am now, but I mean back then. So um, my my other question here for you is: Did you guys in your advertising and marketing start saying that you do that, and are you getting attraction from using the word Office 365? You know, we actually don't do any marketing right now. Really? Um, it's something I would like to start. All of our stuff is word of mouth, and our existing oh. clientele is, is pretty pretty large. Yeah. Um, so we, we keep quite enough work with the clients that we have, but it is something that I do want to do, and I w do want to start marketing and expanding. Not You know, right now we our main office, our main area of work is probably in our town, uh, of a couple hundred thousand people. Now we do; those companies have offices throughout the country that we support. Okay. Um, but I would like to grow out to other parts of the state, maybe the whole area of the country, not just local. Mm -hmm. So we will have to do some marketing, but we don't get people calling us out of the blue saying, "Hey, I want to go to Office 365." Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you that I started doing um, national marketing. Boy, it was probably about a year ago, but I didn't mean to. It was accidental through my WordPress blogs, and I started picking up on it. And last uh, spring, I started doing Google ads for some specific keywords, and then I started doing uh, WordPress blogs in like 30, uh, 30 states, 30 cities. It was like insane. So now I've kind of got a national audience, and the thing is, Matt, they don't ever want to. They don't call me for, the, you know, like 100 mailbox moves. They call me one to ten people. So it's kind of like my marketing is working perfect. Right, I, I right. don't have to deal with that. So like as your company plans to expand and whatnot, you know, um, you, you know, you can think about that. Your marketing has to be directed so you get the, the right clients to call. You know, mine got kind of, I got kind of lucky. I don't get the calls that <laughs> you'd want. No, and I like that because I'd have to have a referral partner <laughs> for sure if I yeah. did. <laughs> Normally, a company's going to want to have 100 mailboxes migrated. Somebody was already managing that already. Yeah. Um, but even with that, though, if uh, I was talking to some marketing people, and they said that a lot of these companies, even with large companies, were outsourcing 
the work because they don't their IT they might have in-house IT people, but they don't have time to take on a migration. They're yeah. working on other stuff. So even these companies that are large with their own IT people, if you find them, you can get this stuff outsourced and do the work yourself. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think that um, I just got a call from a big university that said, look, you know what? They want you for nine months. I go, mm-mm, I can't do that because <laughs> they wouldn't pay me enough. And I'd have my own clients I have to support anyway. But that's what happens when you start getting out there. People, they start finding people, and there's going to be so many of us techs out there that do different levels of work. You know, it's in the next year, I think we're going to see a lot more of it, Matt. Like definitely. So they wanted you to work for them for nine months? Yeah, as a contractor, because they found me through LinkedIn and said Office 365, and the guy liked my, you know, profile, which really was, I haven't even updated it for Office stuff too much, but. It was a nine-month contract, but, you know, I just said I can't leave my own company to dedicate to that, you know. So, but, I mean, as you get the word out, that's a good, any technician that starts offering Office 365 in general is going to get the weirdest calls for different things and, you know. <laughs> right. I, I like saying no to some things. That makes me feel good. And he was like, are you sure? I go, no, I'm doing fine. My company's okay. I don't need a contract. So, man, uh, what Office 365 packages is your company selling right now? Like, do you do support for SharePoint, OneDrive, Yammer, blah, blah, everything? We have mostly it's the basic packages for yeah. that, just the just the email. Okay. Um, so it's like the $4 a month one. Yeah. Um, do they even have the $4 a month one anymore? Do they bump it the <laughs> I think they now? changed that. So, yeah, it'd be the $4 one or $5 one. Now, we do have uh, one client that does a lot of um, – it does host at SharePoint. Oh, okay. Uh, but they actually have in-house Exchange server, but hosted SharePoint. Gotcha. Um, hmm. Now, I'm and of really course, for that, you have to do a stuff. single sign-on server. So there's a single sign-on server to sync passwords across, so they can log in with their SharePoint, uh, hosted SharePoint with their domain account. So. <clears throat> Excuse me, Matt. Matt. Uh huh. Sorry. Um, I have been finding that the clients who buy, um the exchange and sharepoint and okay this is just a, the more of the confusion of microsoft's marketing is what i buy through app river is totally different than what they sell on the website so a lot of my clients will buy exchange and sharepoint and link for 7.95 a month that's all they get but if they want the office 2013 suite then they pay 14.95 a month it's kind of like their own built-in office 365 plan you know does that make so sense yeah, yeah so and well it does so AppRiver is selling Office 365. So they're taking some bundle and doing yep. add-on and then bumping it up for the support. So there's a problem with them. Do you call AppRiver? Well, here's what I love is that I don't want to call Microsoft ever. I've said that on all my shows. So AppRiver is a vendor, and they kind of, I think, created their own bundles, yeah. So um, when I tell my clients, I say, now look, if you have a problem with your SharePoint or your Exchange or your Link and you need support, you call AppRiver. If you need me to do your Outlook work, you hire me to do that because AppRiver won't help you with Outlook, you know. They're, they're not Outlook specialists. They're, you know, Office 365 right. specialists. So it really, the, the support is cut real clear. I tell people, call them, and then you call me for this. And AppRiver has a really fast turnaround time, so I'm satisfied with that. Now, when I go out and look at the packages Microsoft sells, I am so confused because I, I don't understand how to even sell that people there's three different packages that are the same but they're all different prices and I do a lot of SharePoint support uh, quite a bit actually and OneDrive so I'm looking at this like I just keep with what works now I do get calls Matt from people that have already bought Office 365 and they're pretty much in a hot mess a lot of times because they don't know what they're doing Microsoft isn't helping them so they call me and it takes four hours to straighten everything out sometimes I'm a consultant at that level Right, and I'm looking at the plans online, and they're different from when I looked at them last <laughs> yeah. time. They always change, Matt, and I, I am not kidding. They change. Now, I was going to make a Office 365 video training module. I, I, yeah, it'd be good for a week, and I learned that the hard way because I said, uh-uh, I'd rather just do YouTube shows on it and just update people with things I learn. You can't keep up. They changed all three of them dramatically too, Matt, like dramatically. With even it, the essential One thing stuff. I noticed is the user maximum. There used to be some plans that had user maximum of 25. Yeah. 
Now it's like five thousand. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so now the the it looks like the business ones are minimum user maximum three hundred, and then it goes to enterprise unlimited. Yeah. So the entry plans were up to twenty five users, which for some people is not good because unless they they have to really plan their growth and yeah, if they don't plan their growth right, I've had customers say, "I'm going to have ten employees and that's it." Now they have three hundred. Yeah, and guess what? Those people, they know they're never going to grow their company to that level. Now, AppRiver even has, uh, they used to, I think it got changed now with their new, their packages got changed too because of Microsoft changes. They actually said, now it isn't 25 users minimum, now it's like 300, I think he said. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I just sell under 10, so just tell me what to sell. No, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even work with anybody over 10 really. I've done migrations up to 22 but that's rare really rare i'm not into those big ones and i, I kind of like my market as is what i do i think the last one we did was around 80 or 85 really no. yeah yikes that sounds like a headache you know earlier when you were saying that you had to download all those psds <laughs> i've had to do that uh, uh you know why because it was easier I said, give me all the information. I'll reset all the passwords. I'll just download the mail myself. I popped it over to the Exchange server, and I was good to go. <laughs> right, and I had to get all the mail from multiple places. To one, yeah. I wanted it all in one place. So yeah, It's funny how I think one thing I've learned of all this is I've gotten smarter with fixing problems that used to really bother me. Now I know the workarounds really quick. Yeah, for yeah. somebody who's new at this, I mean, email migrations is the hardest part for people who are new is DNS issues. Oh yeah. I didn't know anything about them. Zero. So if you don't understand DNS, you really got to be careful. I've, I've gone behind a lot of people who really screwed things up because DNS was completely, yeah. completely wrong. You know what though, Matt? I think once I learned um, basically what I need to do is the text record goes in the text record area. Then Microsoft says, yeah, we can talk to it. And then you go update the MX record and that's pretty simple. And then the C name. And that's really all I need to do. I don't need to mess with anything else. So I've learned to stay within my spot and don't play with other stuff. I'm okay. But there's always problems that can happen. <laughs> yeah, what I see a lot is records get deleted. Oh, uh, yeah. I just did that. Website got deleted. And then you got to find out what it was. Nobody knows what it was. Well, who hosts your website? Well, I don't know. Okay, we got to find out because they have to tell us what the record needs to be. Yeah. Well, actually, the one I did yesterday, this was kind of, it was kind of bad, but it wasn't even my fault, is the, the client had um, a bunch of uh, Microsoft accounts set up with the on Microsoft email address. So I, since they were a Napa River client of mine, I could, I had to go and do their wizard and it just went ding, ding, ding. Yep. It's all set up. Well, I didn't know that those people had some things going on with the on Microsoft account and they had different names because their email was with another provider for their pop. And then they did this, and the it was an eight-hour migration that really went long in the tooth. It should have been done about five hours. I quote, five hours for five people. Get it done, right? Like, I'm pretty quick with that. This one was just one snag after another and another and another. And it was, so when I bid out jobs now, I do a hard and soft quote. Do you guys do that too? I, okay, so I give them an estimate. I say, yeah. look, I'm thinking it's going to be eight hours, but you're going to get billed actual time. Okay. So we build actual time. Yeah, so do I, though. I actually yeah. do soft quote of 129 an hour, hard quote of what I think is a fair project price, which is 150 mailbox for each person plus a 150 admin fee. So six six people is like, with the admin fee, I think a thousand bucks. Is that about right with you guys do? So what we'll, what we'll do is, if we're using code two, of course, whatever our price is, we'll just add include the code two license. Okay. Um, the more you buy, the cheaper it is. So, we'll if we, and sometimes it's just per hour charge. Sometimes we give them a flat fee. It, it yeah. depends on the client, but we always make sure we add the the pricing for the code to migration in there. Okay, yeah, mine's that's just for my labor. Um, I, my App River bill is for if they just do exchange, it's four ninety five a month per person. They could pay it by the year and get I think a discount, and if not, um, I always tell them up front, you're paying App River for the product, you pay me for the labor. And uh, you know what? I've tried offering training. Have you ever done that? Training for users? Like a training <laughs> webinar? <laughs> no. I'd rather try and herd cats. Yes. Well, you know, Matt, <laughs> I'm a pretty good trainer, and I've tried to offer people training afterwards, and they don't want to pay for it. So my friend is like, you should make them do it. They just paid you a lot of money. 
Yeah, I, I've never, I've had users ask for training, yeah. but their idea of asking for training is, can you show me everything I want to know and don't bill me anything? Because they don't think training is service. Yeah. And I tell them, well, it is a service. It's just a different kind of service because I still using, I'm still spending my time to for your benefit. So if I'm fixing your server or training you, it's still the same price per hour. Exactly. Well, my friend that's uh, told me I should be offering training. Here's her theory: is they just spent a thousand dollars to get it all set up to be a perfect. They're paying the company how much money for the exchange product, and now they don't even know the benefits of it to make sure that people are using it and saving time and being efficient. And I can't get anybody to buy the training. Period. No, I, so. I don't. I don't like training mainly because I've I've done not necessarily training, but let's say a use a, a an ad, a office manager wants to know how to create a user account. Yeah. I will give I will will do it. I'll connect to the computer and we'll do it. We'll create an account. Yeah. And she'll do the next one. Then I'll do screenshots and send her a PDF document. And the first account shots it up, she messes it up. Yeah. So no matter <laughs> so it's really it's not I can't say it's wasted time because I still got the bill for it, but it it's useless time. Yeah. Because it didn't accomplish anything. So I, the training a user it, it's I think it's a myth. It, it really is a myth, but you know, I get people that actually hire me to give them four hours of training on tons of stuff. So I'm like, it, that's a they want it, they need it. Um, I've done specialized CEO training on calendaring and task management, and I really, I just showed them shortcuts to stuff. It's nothing magical. Yeah, I, I could <laughs> I could tell a lot of training. I mean, I very I, I know I could. Yeah. Um, but the problem with training is one, like, like I said, they don't remember. But two, what, what I hate more is, like, let's say, create a user account. They'll say, "Oh, you said to do this." No, I didn't. That's not what I said. No. That's wrong. Yeah. I didn't say that. You. That's what you, I think you're remembering. But that's look at this. Look, and I said, look at this screenshot I sent you. Is this what you're doing? <laughs> no. Okay. So I didn't tell you that, and then send you a screenshot for something else. I have step-by-step -step instructions. You're not following them. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I didn't look at that. Well, I'm glad you didn't refer to the step-by-step uh, -step instructions, but like, okay. But they say I told them to do something. Uh, so if you're somebody how to do calendaring, you'll say, do this, do this, do this, and they'll do this, and it's wrong. That's, that's what you told me to do. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've learned also when people call and say, look, we're looking for group training, I, I say, I don't have cookie-cutter training anymore. Because nine times out of ten, if I show you something, it's not what people need to learn. So I say, make a wish list of what you want to learn, and I'll train you on it. I'm not going to train you on, you know, things that people already know, like how to make a calendar event. Whoop-de-doo, you know? Well, you know, you can go to help. Open up help. Outlook. Go to help. <laughs> go to help. Help always works. And then Google it and find a video. <laughs> find okay, so I've done, I've done it before. Yeah, have you ever used let me Google that for you? I've heard of it, and oh, I that's, don't think that's I have. Great. So sometimes a client will, and of course I know the client pretty well to do this, they'll ask me a question, and I'll just go to lmgtfy.com. Yeah. You type in the question, and it basically, it's in the link, and it basically creates, when they click on the link, it's like a little screenshot. The mouse goes to Google, types it in, hits search. Oh, funny. And then it, and then it says, was that hard? <laughs> Well, you know, we are the best Googlers in the world, Matt. So, yeah, I, I could sell. I could probably hire somebody and sell and sell training, but well, I've thought about that. Now, I've thought about you know what happens is I was like, okay, I have a niche here. I could probably sell webinars to um, like companies like yours that you know you push it out to your clients and say, look, you're on Exchange. You probably don't know the benefits. This girl will do it. Blah blah blah. Then I realized, man, I really don't know if I like training that much. I mean, it's really yeah. hard. You have to love training. I like troubleshooting and fixing. Yeah. I don't mind training if there's if if they're paying for it. Yeah. But I don't. But but the problem is, I have the way we're structured is my time is better spent troubleshooting, fixing problems, setting up new clients. I would need to hire somebody to do training and to keep them employed. I'd have to sell it in advance and yeah. get a build up of people wanting it and paying for it. So. Yeah, I get you. I, you know, it's just me doing the Outlook right now, and I'm in progress of training uh, um, another tech right now to be like my apprentice because I'm just so detailed with what I do. I want them to learn exactly what I do. 
that person would probably be a great trainer. <laughs> Maybe I'll train them to be the trainer. <laughs> I just don't know. I get always wound up and I'm worried that they're going to judge me like, oh, I knew that, you know, and things like that. And I'm like, I don't know. I always say, give me a wish list of what you want to do. So it's sometimes better just to do a training consulting, I think, where I train a couple people and let them do it. Um, yeah, any any training that I've been is got like it's got to be specific. They can't just say come train me. You yeah. don't know what they're you don't know what they know. You don't know what their level is. No. Oh. No. All right. Well, let's see what else I got here, and then we can maybe wrap it up. It's uh, I think I got everything on the list, Matt. Talked about uh, just one last question, maybe. So most of your clients are contract, but some want to hire you for break fix, right? Because of budgets and they don't have the funding, so. I'll, I'll say this: most of our clients are break fix, and some are contract. Okay. Um, so um, we, we have quite a few under contract service agreements, whatever they want to call them, um, and we do manage services for them. But a, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are still break fix, oh. and everybody's pushing the managed service provider stuff. Yeah. And I think it's great. You know, it's a great thing to have. Uh, but you've got to make it great from the client's point of view. Yeah. You can, it's, what I see is. People trying to sell it, but they don't explain why it's good for the client. Yeah, you can't tell the client, "Look, this is great. I'll get a recurring uh, monthly revenue." Okay, that's not what they want to hear. No. What What is it doing for them? So, it's got to be the right fit for the client to just. And a lot of clients are don't like it because they don't want to have the contract. Yeah. They have contracts for everything in the world. They've got contracts for phones. They've got contracts yeah. for this. So it really just puts the client off. Especially if you meet a new client, and the first thing you do is say, "Here's here's an agreement for you to sign for two years." Yeah, that's how I win a lot of them because I already say to my clients calling in, I go, "I bet you you just went out and got some quotes, and they're all fifteen to twenty grand a year." And they go, "Yep." I go, "Well, I can give you all everything you need, including the exchange migration and uh, daily monitoring and online backup and a prepaid ticket for under three grand. And that'll last you even past a year." I think I, I think I win when the, when it's right, the price is right, and and people don't look at it like as in so they want support too. I think support's really important. Yeah, and the, the managed services are great, but you have to know how to. Some people just don't structure them correctly. Yeah. You've got to offer a value that they perceive as a good value for the money. Yeah. Not just pay me a thousand dollars a month and I'll take care of them when you call. Mm -hmm. That's not really what MSPs are supposed to be. They're supposed to be, we're going to monitor your network, we're going to be proactive and do updates, and yeah. we're going to do this and that. And for that, plus when you call, we'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of people doing MSPs, they just think, I'm just going to bill you $1,000 a month, and you call me when you need me, and I'll and I'll come do what you need. Yeah. But that's, that's not what it is. And that, the client sees no benefit in that, because if they didn't call you for a month, what do they pay for? Exactly. I mean, man, you, so managed services should be, we're going to do all your backups, we're going to monitor your backups, we're going to provide hosted exchange. You could roll your Office 365 price into it. I mean, yeah. you could do a lot of things to, to make them have it perceived as more valuable. I know, and I don't do any, I do not do any payments for the Office stuff. Because as a brick fix person, I'm just going to say this word lightly, is they'll let me go after a project and I'll never hear from them again. And it's not because I did a bad job. It's because I'm doing this kind of break, fix, fast project. Done. See you later. And I check in and say, hey, how's it going? They're like, good. I'm like, do you want to buy a prepaid ticket? And da, 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 da. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my clients, though, are different. They're, they're coming in for a specialist and they're done. Right. You know? they, yeah, right. They want office migration. If it's done, then, yep. then your job is done. So, yep. um, but I can but sell them on tickets if they keep calling in for little constant snags, like password reset and... But I do tell them to call App River. But sometimes they call me and I have to send them away, or I'm like, okay, well I'll charge you 25 bucks for a password reset, which I shouldn't even do. It's not worth my time. But <laughs> well, I mean, see, and that's I can't tell me password reset job that I do a day. <laughs> probably, probably 20. Oh God. Okay. Wow. But we charge half an hour minimum. Nice. So, I might do that. So that's 69 bucks for me. Or yeah, we charge a half an hour minimum for for anything. I mean, anything we do is a half an hour minimum. <laughs> That's sweet. And, I think unless it's a yes or no question, if I can say yes or no, then it's free. Yeah. If it requires more than yes or no, then it's a half hour minimum. And now oh, those oh, people, what if they're not on your, your retainer plan? Do they have to invo you invoice them? They'll get a bill. Wow. I am uber impressed. 
I think I'm going to change. Well, the thing is, I always feel bad. Like, oh, I shouldn't charge too much for a password reset. And I'm like, it only took me a minute. But I'm like, well, it did take a minute. It's an administrative function. Exactly. I, mean, gotta... <laughs> I like that theory. A long time ago, our, our policy was we didn't bill for any less than five minutes. Oh, God. And, but then what we're seeing is we're doing 25-minute jobs a day. Exactly. That adds up to 100 minutes. Okay, yeah. so you know what? That's not really fair for us because I could spend all day doing five-minute jobs and not get paid a dime. Yeah. Now we change it to half-hour minimum, anything more than a yes or no. So. I like that theory. You know, I've been pretty good, Matt, though, at changing. This is off topic of just a smidge. But, you know, for um, I used to be the quick emailer, answer all the questions. And finally I was like, I'm losing so much money by doing this. Let's make an appointment, and here's my pre-authorization deposit, and here's the client agreement form. <laughs> then they pay 129 minimum, and if there's a refund due, great. Sometimes the job goes over, and I have to get the credit card. So that's one thing I've learned. Get out yes, when people email me, I'll just take that email and capture it into the ticket system. Yeah, and let them, hey, I went ahead and created a ticket for you with your email, so now we can, I can, we can, we can go and get <laughs> now started. it's official. Now it's official. <laughs> well, man, that's a great way to end our show. That made me laugh. I learned from you how to make more money already. Take that, people. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> All right, Matt, thank you for being on the show. I'd like to have you back again. It was a pleasure. And yeah, good. I, I'll, I'll come back whenever. Thanks. I will talk to you later, and see everybody Bye. else later. Thanks. <laughs>